69-10. to The final score of the Baylor game on Saturday, but things weren't perfect for the Bears, and there's a lot of stuff to clean up before you go into BYU. This is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday and happy Labor Day, everybody. Drake Toll alongside Cameron Stewart. Both of us work for Sports Illustrated's Inside the Bears, and we were in attendance on Saturday. Cam, thank you. You're welcome. It was my pleasure, honestly. And thank you at home for being locked on Baylor, your first listen every single day. It comes from a point of privilege when your team can score 69 points, hold the opposing team to 10, and the top of the show, we talk about what we're upset with, but I'll... Upset's also a strong word. I'm just a little surprised, taken aback, dumbfounded. It's too strong of a word. That's that's strong too, yeah. With Baylor's offensive and defensive lines, where I thought the game would be won immediately, just were underwhelming in my mind. The right side of the offensive line broke down multiple times, both in the run game and the pass game. The defensive line didn't swallow up every single Albany player, aside from like Gabe Hall and the piano guys, whatever. The the two units as a whole, though, I was more impressed with the secondary. I was the defensive line. I, I just didn't see that coming. Yeah, uh, we expected them to win in the trenches because that's what they did all last year. And that's what we heard all this summer and spring. And it was like, well, you know, the skill players aren't coming back, but defense travels and you win the game in the trenches and they're bringing all those guys back and how and they're bringing their coordinators back. And how great is that? And I will agree with you. I was a little underwhelmed, not to say it was bad. Um, It was just fine. Uh, I expected, Drake, I expected an FCS team coming into town when that happens, that you would just run the ball down their throat all night, especially trying out some new running backs. I know you're trying out new receivers too. But, you know, we talk about the Jeff Grimes offense, and they want to win by pounding the ball right down your throat. And I just thought that's what we were going to see, you know, four or five different guys out of the backfield and just running at them all night. They basically did that in the second half, uh, but passed a lot of the first half. So the pass protection was actually pretty good. Uh, Shapen had plenty of time back there for the most part. Um, but the defensive line, too, I just thought we were going to see a couple of P's in the B, you know, a lot of parties in the backfield. Uh, instead, I didn't get much of that. Uh, only it couple of sacks i i don't i should pull the stats but two sacks, or three yeah. yeah yeah and and it wasn't you know not many of those plays where it was like oh man he just got it away uh some quarterback scrambles with the play breaking down so credit the secondary on that i know we're going to talk about that a little bit later but yeah i expected like a six or eight sack night against a team that you know can't run the ball can't pass the ball uh instead we didn't really get that you know like you say it's cherry picking in terms of yeah they only gave up 10 points so yeah and they they won by 59 points uh also what was a little surprising to me one turnover in the whole game one turnover yeah facing a team that bad quarterback looked a little bit better than i thought he was going to but one turnover that was something the 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 team really hung their hat on last year because i think the secondary was a bit of a vulnerability at times uh, you know, not again, not bad, but they were susceptible to the big pass play, yeah. but they made up for it by having absolute ball hawks back there. And JT Woods had what, six or seven interceptions last year. Jalen Petrie's a ball hawk, you know, so they made up for it by getting those big turnovers and getting big plays out of that. And I 
don't know it's the same kind of dogs back there this year in that sense, but I agree with you. I thought they looked pretty good last night. Uh, but one turnover four, so I was like, uh, would have expected more. And here we are, just you know, lambasting this team at one sixty. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, this was just not a little, a, little lower of the expectations. It was not a bad performance by any means whatsoever, but it wasn't an A plus performance. I don't know if we expected that, but it, I expected more at least from the offensive and defensive lines. As much as we've hyped them up the entire off season, there were two sacks in the game. One of them came from Alfonso Allen, the freshman safety from Miami. No Siaki Eco with a sack. Gabe Hall had a half a sack. Uh, Jackson Player had a Player half had a sack. A sack yeah. But it was the, they didn't eat as many Albany players as I thought the defensive line was just going to swallow up bones and all. And that was surprising to me. The linebacker core was fine. It was tackled by committee. I think somebody put the stat out there. I wish you could get it spot on, and I may be lying here, but I, I've, I've counted earlier. I believe it was 21 players for Baylor made a sack yesterday. Matt Jones, Al Walcott, a couple of the guys that had four in that one. So, I mean, defense by committee is great. The depth was great as well. But defensive line did not eat Albany players. And the offensive line, the right side breaking down was kind of surprising. I'm not sure if I was ready for the O-line to look as sloppy as they did it at certain times in this game. Yeah, I think they said the same thing in 2014 after Baylor beat Buffalo, but that guy turned out to be Khalil Mack. But yeah. anyway, uh, uh, I think the positive to take from this, because I'm, I'm going to take a positive spin for once, Drake, mm-hmm. is uh, both the lines were obviously outstanding last year too. Um, they both started pretty slow. Uh, offensive line did not get great push in those first big games like uh, Oklahoma State, for example. Again, a great defense for Oklahoma State, to be to be fair. Uh, but Abram Smith hadn't really got it going against Iowa State or Oklahoma State, and then he picked it up, uh, and so did the offensive line. Same thing for the defensive line. I think it's after that Oklahoma State game, too, which is the first week in October, where I'm like, ah, the Siaki Ika guy, what is he? You know, is he yeah. just – going to be a down and distance type of player is he a guy who could be out there every down i just don't know what he does here and he ends up becoming uh, he was good close to an all-american yeah i mean he was an outstanding player and could be an all-american this year so i i think that's hopefully the direction that baylor will go in because we talked about it all through the spring and the summer that that was going to be you know the the question marks are at the skill positions but it's you can't overstate how big it is to bring back your whole offensive line with so much experience and the same thing on the defensive line with the foundation of your defense. And so I, I hope it just gets better by week, but uh, neither of those units won the game for Baylor, which uh, you, you probably aren't going to against Albany because your skill players are good enough to do that. But at some point, those guys are going to need to win games for you. You're going to need to win it in the trenches. Um, and I just didn't see a ton from them last night. Cam, before we just didn't see a dunk. Before we hop into the positives of the 69 point game, does that performance beat BYU in Provo? I mean, that performance, no, but I also, we didn't see the full game plan yesterday or Saturday, excuse me. Uh, Like, you know, Shapin is in for one drive in the second half and he doesn't even attempt to pass. Like, I I think they kept it pretty basic uh, last night. Simple and easy, but I think they kept it pretty basic. 
in week one. I think it will be a different look uh, at BYU. And I don't know who that starting running back is going to, or who's going to get the bulk of the carries on Saturday, Yeah, to be honest with you. Yeah, it was running back by committee just like it was last year, which is not a bad thing by any means. Last year, you had guys like Tristan Ebnar Enbar, and Jerai Bonham, um, Tyquan Thompson, also mm-hmm. really good. Who could forget? Uh, yeah, if you, Dave Aranda was as head coach as well. Um, just, uh, I don't did they get you, Abram Smith right? Did they? Have I think they did. They got Abram, which is Abraham. crazy. That's the easiest to not put like yeah. Abraham right Abram. Smith. Uh, for those that don't know, ESPN Plus had their had some issues with spelling uh, at times during last night's game. And <laughs> issues is, is putting it lightly. Uh, you know who doesn't have issues, though, Cam? That would be Built Bar. You and I have actually had Built Bars together. We toasted in, them. Yeah. Including today's flavor, which is why I'm going to leave you on for the ad read. Today's flavor that, we're spa- that we are uh, plugging is the delicious, indulgent cookie dough Built Bar. Covered in chocolate, real chocolate, Built Bar has done it again. Cam, you remember, remember where we were when we ate those Built Bars together? How could I forget? You know where I was? I was in heaven. Yep. Uh, to, well, and to be in Cabo, in too, on the yeah. shiny, shimmering white beaches. It was crazy. Uh, the sand, and then there they were, these Built Bar puffs. And that made it perfect. Built Bar yeah. made it perfect. Everything about it, great. Mostly because only 160 calories. They have 15 grams of protein. 15. That is the age was the age of my friend Chad's dog who recently was put down. That's I'm a lot. Sorry to hear that. So That's old. To you, Chad. That is a lot. That is pretty old. It's a good life for a dog. It's a long life. BuiltBar.com. Cookie dough chunk pop, 100% real chocolate. You're going to get a it. comment in the YouTube section from Built Bar. Probably. It's going to be like, like every other comment on YouTube, get Cam off my screen. <laughs> get Cam off my podcast. I pay you guys good money. Don't do that. Yeah, well, we get it constantly, and I have to fight mm-hmm. them off. But here you are, still yeah. alive on a Monday. Happy <laughs> Labor Day! Here we uh, are. Gonna build some of the fans now. How about it? Use promo code Locked Fifteen. Get fifteen percent off. Locked, locked on fifteen. Actually, locked on fifteen. Fifteen percent off. Built.com. Cam, there were some good things. Blake Shapin did not win the Heisman yesterday, but he could win the Heisman this season. Like, uh, Cam, aside from him not releasing the ball faster, which we'll get to, he'll talk about that later in the show. There was not a ton that I didn't like from Blake Shapen. He was amazingly accurate. The deep ball was almost always there. He went 17 for 20. He just is good at football. I loved his performance on Saturday. Loved it. Automatic. I, I didn't expect him to be bad. No way. But yeah, maybe I, I expected some jitters. You know, this guy comes in and he is the guy for the first time. Yeah. And he maybe overthrows a couple. He didn't really do that. 17 to 20, I think he finished with for 214, a couple of touchdowns through the air, one on the ground. Basically flawless for me. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think there was only one play where he really improvised. Uh, so that means, or I should say passing play that he improvised. And so that says to me that everyone executed very well. And uh, Blake was humble about it post game. He put it on his O-line and his receivers. By the way, six different pass catchers for him. I think that's a nice a nice number. Uh, week one, and they're all new guys. I, I mentioned it in my Inside the Bears story. Only one of them had 10 or more receptions last year as Ben Sims. Uh, the rest are guys who are really seeing the field for the first time uh, when the game is in doubt, so to speak. So uh, loved it yesterday. So deadly accurate. 
and some some mustard on that ball. Yeah. I said, you know, the 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 Charlie Brewer comparisons are very apt for sure. But I think Blake, what what kind of separates him is he's got a better arm. Uh, Charlie, for all the great things he did for us, he just didn't have a ton of zip on it. Blake does. Kyron Drones does, by the way. Yeah. Uh, we saw that late in the game. He can put some English on it too. Uh, it's not the end all be all, but I, I thought he looked really, really good, looked in control. And we kind of heard from Miranda post game, which we will have on this episode. We're going to hear from Dave or yeah. we're just hearing from Blake. We're going to hear Dave's from Dave here. too. Dave's okay. here. He's uh, but he away. was saying, you know, just nothing phases the kid. He's got the beautiful mind thing going on, was the example he used, but you don't see it. He just takes it all in stride, Joe Cool, and that's why we didn't see any of those overthrows, those pregame jitters, those what the heck are you doing type of throws um, or runs, really. There's one he should have slid and he didn't. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, man, I, you can't play it much better than that. All those stats, by the way, again, all in the first half, didn't attempt to pass in the second half. So 17 to 20 for 214, a couple of tuds, both over 30 yards. Um, that's pretty good. I, I, we did find out that it was uh, basically an RPO that played just before halftime, yeah. which I would have loved maybe just calling a pass play there. Cause I think there was literally one second on the clock Yes, uh, going into that play. Like it was down on that play and he runs what looks like a bootleg, but I guess it was more of an RPO and, and, and makes a great play, but barely gets in there. I would have loved to not leave points on the board. I know they scored 69 at the end of the game, but uh, would, would have loved maybe a little bit more direction there, but Hey, the kid made it work. And I thought he played pretty much as perfectly as you can ask for. Yeah. had a 90 QBR. The only better QBR on the field was Kyron drones who had a 99 after going five for seven with a hundred yards. Baylor quarterbacks, 314 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Richard Reese was hello. You have to include that guy in a, in a consistent role moving forward. Yes. Well, yeah. If you read my inside the bears piece today, which I'm sure y'all will have read by now. I, I honestly, I'm not the coach, but I would seriously consider having him out there as kind of the feature back. Uh, and it's not just that Tate didn't have a great game. Cause he didn't. Um, I, I pulled up the stats here, but he got obviously a bulk of the carries, especially in the first half when, again, they were trying to pass a little bit more, but McWilliams goes 12 attempts for 45 yards under four yards of carry against the team that gave up 200 rushing yards a game last year. Yeah. And Richard Reese comes in. And again, you do need the caveat, the, the, the grain of salt, if you will, that he's playing a lot of backups on an FCS team that only won two games last year, but nine attempts for 62, couple of touchdowns, seven yards of carry. MVP. I the- just think, I just think his style suits the feature back game more for what we have seen from a Jeff Grimes offense. Again, a little bit more of that north and south. Um, got some good leverage on some of those plays. Knocked a couple of guys down. Uh, Tay McWilliams can be a physical back, but I don't think that's his preferred method. I think he's got good speed and he was trying to get to the outside a lot, which again, I don't think is really what Baylor's going to want to do, but we saw Abram Smith and Tristan Ebner last year and bar and how well they complemented each other, kind of Mr. Inside, Mr. Outside type of thing. I, I think that can work from what we saw last night, but Richard Reese then is your Mr. Inside. So you're starting back your horse. And so I'll be interested to see where you got to dial it up 
a couple of different ways against BYU this weekend. If we see more Richard Reese earlier in the game, he just looked impressive. And that's, again, it's a name. It's not like it was out of nowhere. His stock was rising and rising and rising from uh, the spring game all the way up through fall camp. Yeah. So I, I think it's a guy you're going to see a lot more of. And I, I thought we would see a little bit more squirrel, Drake. I don't know what you mm. thought about that. But he gets the touchdown. I think it's the second touchdown. And we don't see much of him for the rest of the game. Craig did score like a four-yard touchdown, which is fun. Craigery. Yep, he did. Craig other than that, he did not. He had three attempts, 13 yards. So Yeah. Uh, Quaylen uh, Jones got some right. time at the end of the game, but I think that was – I don't know how much more you'll see of Quentin Jones. He's running back like by committee, there are five guys that could get five touches a game and that are all that all fill a role. Uh, Richard Reese on the topic of player of the game is not the player of the game. A guy named Monterey Baldwin absolutely is. Two carries, okay. 46 yards, a touchdown, 50-yard carry for a score, by the way, in the second Do half. Do the math there. Do the math. So, so, <laughs> four... <laughs> Four receptions, impressive nonetheless. Eighty-four yards and a touchdown for Baldwin on through the air through the receiving. But yeah, he's the player of the game. He's the player of the game. Yeah. Josh Leaks also great punt fair. return, probably Big Twelve punt returner, uh, special teams player Gavin Holmes. Jeez, Big Twelve special teams player of the year this year because all it takes one. Probably. Yeah, Usually, it only takes one. Tristan Everett that one time did it against Kansas, and the Big Twelve was like, "Well, that won it. is yeah. it." Yeah. Uh, during that two and seven season. So uh, another big play, but even, even still, and I know he's gone through a lot. So he gets kind of the honorable mention player of the game, or he gets play yeah. of the game, play of, the, of game. the game. Sure. But Monterey Baldwin was fantastic. Fast guy. Yeah. Well, we knew that for sure. Uh, but I put it in my notebook. This kid's a weapon. I think he's a legitimate weapon. He's no one hit wonder. Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> it helps that he ran the same play and scored a touchdown that he scored in, in the sugar bowl. But he's fast. He's got some good hands. That was a, a, a contested ball on that first touchdown. That's actually one that Shapin kind of underthrows a little bit. A forty-seven yarder yeah. hits him in the in the on right in the end zone there. Uh, but I think he's a guy you could put in a couple of different positions. Obviously, the jet sweep is going to be a little bit better than Drew Estrada was. Uh, you could play him in the slot. You could play him on the outside. He blocks well for a guy that's his size, five nine, one sixty-five. Yeah. That's a slight lad. That's about me, actually. Um, he is definitely a little stronger than I, He's a little bit less of a gut, but uh, and a little faster. Um, but he's a guy. Keep going. Can, keep going. Yes, I mean maybe a little smarter, um, better looking, a bit better than football. I, I'm not ready to go that far yet. Uh-huh. Sex symbol of the Baylor Lariat, voted by a jury of my peers. Um, anyway, that was yesterday. That was before I started losing my hair and have to wear hats everywhere. Um, I just think he's a guy you can employ at a ton of different positions. And Baylor's going to need that at points this year because uh, we talk about the young running backs, the young receivers, especially early in that conference schedule. Monterey Baldwin hasn't played that much either, remember? Yeah. But uh, he's an impact guy where you can run uh, bit-style plays like we saw at the Jet Sweep in the Sugar Bowl when we hadn't really seen him all year. Um, he's not going to sneak up on anyone anymore, but he'll run past you. So there's that. I am very high on Monterey Baldwin. It's usually other stuff, usually other substances, but right now I am high on Monterey Baldwin. Lock it in. Great game, Monterey. Monorail, don't matter. You're not stopping it. The passing game was there. The running game became there later on. You saw stuff out of guys you weren't necessarily expecting to have 
you know, Richard Reese wasn't, I didn't think he'd lead the team in running yards, rushing yards. And the I secondary the game back. I liked Richard Reese even more. Yeah. Second, secondary two was good. They were sharp. So that's all the good stuff. We, we've taken the good, we've taken the bad, all of that. Let's hear from the boss man himself, Blake Shapin and Dave Aranda. All of that coming up right now. Here are the best clips. That's like seven minutes from Saturday's pressers. Blake, you obviously came out very hot. Uh, did you feel like you were in a good groove all night? And j- just how did it feel to connect with your receivers? Uh, yeah, I felt good all night. Um, a huge testament to the receivers and, and all the guys around me, the O-line, everyone that made that possible. And uh, being able to start fast like we did and limit all the little mistakes like penalties and things like that early on helped us. Blake, even having just wrapped up, what are the things you feel like could use immediate improvement offensively? Um, just, I mean, everything really. I mean, I thought we played a good game tonight, but I feel like there's a lot of things that we can still improve on and, and maybe get lined up faster, or maybe, um, maybe me throwing, getting the ball out of my hands quicker and not taking the couple sacks that I took today. Um, I think those are things that I need to work on is getting the ball out maybe uh, quicker than I did in a few, few moments today. Um, and just everyone keep coming together collectively. I mean, we have a special team, and, and the only thing that can hurt us is if we keep if we drift apart and we're not we're not a unit. And so I I think us just growing together it can take us a long way. Blake, can you give us the PG version of what the coaches told you when you didn't slide when you nearly got to the goal line, or were they happy that you kind of powered through there at the end? Uh, it was a slight comment by Coach Bell. He said, "Probably get down next time." <laughs> <laughs> proud of the team. I look back at, at January, kind of starting with um, in that first team meeting and uh, guys sitting in the front row of the, our, our little auditorium there. And, um, and I could see it on their faces that it was like unnatural for them to sit there because that's where Terrell Bernard sat, you know, or that's where Jalen Petrie sat. And now they're sitting in there. And... Um, you know, to, to move from that space right there to, um, to winter where you know, you're breaking everybody down and, and early morning workouts and, and um, you know, you're, you're um, giving guys uh, assignments in terms of leadership and maybe getting out of their comfort zone, putting themselves out there and all that, to spring football to where, um, you know they're the they're the guys that are saying something to the in the huddle if if the the feeling of the team isn't right or if the the energy isn't right to summer um, to fall camp and to to come out and and attack this game the way we did I just you know I think there's so many there's so many possible off ramps uh, to not play at your best um, when you know you have a, a score like this and to start the game and to end the game the way we did, way proud of our team, way proud of our coaches, and uh, speaks well to just the, the inner workings of, our, of all of it. So um, didn't, you know, to my knowledge, haven't, haven't had any injuries, so we're blessed with that. I thought, um, you know, for us to come out throwing the ball was something that we've worked on a lot in, in uh, fall camp. And then for us to get the, the, the running game going in the second half, is um, um, was really good to see, and it was a, um, a halftime, you know, um, uh, a halftime goal. And then defensively, I just thought time after time they were able to make stops and 
and were able to um, to tackle well. I think we were really concerned with that being the first game um, in, in tackling efficient, efficiently, and I thought they did. So with that, take any questions you guys got. Dave, you kind of touched on it there, but was it intentional to, I mean, it seemed like it was mainly the passing game in the first half, and then you really focused on the run game in the second half. Yeah, I think it was. You know, I think early on, we're getting some nine-man fronts, and those safeties were way down at eight yards and sometimes tighter than that. And, and then I think we were running into some, some, um, some dirty looks. And, uh, you know, it, we had some negative, uh, negative plays running the ball. And so to take me, took advantage of that with some of the shot plays that came off of it, and I think that eventually loosened it up. And the score probably had something to do with that too in the second half. Uh, but it was good to get the running game going. Dave, you mentioned so many guys stepping up into leadership roles, a lot of new starters on both sides of the ball tonight. Was there any questions that you and your staff had about this team that was definitively answered with this win tonight? Um, that's a good one. Yeah, I think, you know, we wanted to see guys make competitive catches, and they did. We wanted our skilled people to block on the perimeter, and they did. Um, we wanted uh, to see our young people after they make a mistake, right, um, you know, attack the next play. Really, we wanted to see our coaches after our young people make a mistake, you know, help them out the very next play, as opposed to whatever else, you know. Um, and then I think, you know, you saw uh, defensively the push that we could get um, in the quick throw game and the edges that we can set with the length on defense. And so those things, I think, were shown today. Thank you, Coach Aranda and Blake Shapin. The highlights of the press conference on Saturday. I'm Drake Toll. That was Cameron Stewart, Dave Aranda, and Blake Shapin. Thanks for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every single day. We'll be back again tomorrow with more coverage of the Baylor football game from Saturday and previews of Baylor-BYU, one of the biggest games in the country coming up this weekend. I I'm so excited for it. The, the first real test. Will Baylor be able to go to Provo and get the win? A lot of folks think it's an auto loss for Baylor, and they open as two-and-a-half-point underdogs. What happens on Saturday? All that coming up the rest of this week on Locked on Baylor.